This episode deserves somewhat of a disclaimer. While normally our episodes include lots of laughter and jovial banter, this is not one of those episodes. Since October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, we chose to highlight narcissism and what it looks like to be in a relationship with a narcissist. It's an informative, touching, and emotional show, but it's heavy. I just wanted to let you know what to expect in advance. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to our show. Welcome back, everybody. This is Twanda. And this is Rumel. Hey, Rumel. Hey, girl. Hey. We are here again getting our podcast on. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. I'm really excited about today. I am too. I am too. As usual, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> I don't think there is a time when I don't. I was about to ask like, you that. Yeah. I was about to ask you that. <laughs> no, it's, and it's something that's kind of near and dear to my heart because I've had someone who has gone through this situation. And so I was really happy that our guest was willing to come on with us today to really kind of walk through the idea of what narcissism is and, and its effects. So today we have Joyce Mpenzi. And she is a certified life and relationship coach. She has dedicated her life's work to elevating the lives of her clients through the signature program, Love After Trauma. She equips them with the tools to recover and reclaim their authentic identity by helping them sort through the confusion of codependency and narcissistic abuse. She is a passionate advocate for healthy love, relationships, and is pro-marriage. She also hosts a podcast called Project Real Love, and she is a fantastic YouTuber. You can find her channel on YouTube called Pink Girl Teaches. So we are so excited to have Miss Joy here with us. Well, Joy, girl, can I ask you something? Yes, girl, go ahead. (laughs) Before we talk about our topic for today, would you please share with us your superpower? Well, I don't know if it's really if it really qualifies as a superpower, but I'm a power lifter. I lift heavy things. Wow. It has the word power in the freaking definition. <laughs> <laughs> so do yeah. all your friends know that you're a power lifter? I mean, is this something you do undercover or <laughs> No, it's not undercover. Um I've been, uh, I started lifting weights when I came out of my very toxic marriage. Mm-hmm. It, it was actually something that was therapeutic for me when I got started. And then, you know, the stronger I became, then I had mentally, I had barriers that I needed to shatter. And so the heavier the objects, it just seemed to work for me in breaking those barriers. And so once I kind of maxed out the weights at the gym, I was like, hmm. What's next here? And that's where powerlifting came in. So, so Romel, do you power lift? No. No. Wait, do, do you have any any close friends that that power lift? No. I I think she's right. I think that is her superpower. Um, that feels very superpower. <laughs> yeah, because you're you're the only person, another woman I know, who's yeah. power lifting. So awesome. That so awesome. That is. I, that kind of leads us back to our original topic for today. Um, we are talking about 
um, narcissists and being in a narcissist relationship. And Joyce or Joy is a survivor of that. Um, Joy, would you mind just really quickly giving us a brief overview of what your survival story is? Absolutely. So I was married, right? Mm-hmm. And there were things about that marriage that didn't make sense to me. And it didn't start like, you know, I didn't just wake up or, you know, find myself in that situation it was really gradual mm-hmm. before I actually realized that something's amiss because it wasn't until we got married and we had been together forever in a day. Mm-hmm. But it was like when we got married, I used to fall back and ask myself, how is it that before we said I do, this was one person? And then the moment we get home, I don't know who he is. He is like, I'm hello, I'm confused. So, you know, I will, in my mind, I was always trying to reconcile these two people and make the old person come back. But, you know, that person is dead and gone. Right. And so eventually over time, I, you know, I left the marriage and I began to work on healing myself. So years go by and I think, oh, yeah, I've done the work and I'm solid and I can move on now. And I mean, this was five years mm-hmm. and I dated somebody. Turned out this joker was an entire psychopath. But the moment the mask slipped and I could see that something is going on here, I was out. Yeah. There was no second chance. There was nothing. And that's when I began to dive in to figure out what exactly it is. And it was at that point then I could look back on my marriage and say, oh, okay, so that's who you are. Well, okay, so let's let's make it clear because I, I hear people use the word narcissist all the time. Look at too much news, girl. Yeah, I mean, right? It's like <laughs> a buzzword. But from what I've learned is that a true narcissist um, is usually a little bit different than this buzz term that we hear a lot today. Can you kind of, like walk us through what is a narcissist and what isn't a narcissist? Absolutely. So a narcissist, or for somebody to actually be classified a narcissist, they need to be evaluated by a medical professional. Mm -hmm. There are certain traits that they will look out for and that will help them diagnose this person. Now, one thing that I want to say is that every single person, myself included, we have narcissistic traits. Just because we have a narcissistic trait does not make you a narcissist. It does not make me a narcissist. Mm-hmm. It just means that I have these traits. And when it comes to the narcissist, they have to have at least five out of the nine listed in the DSM for them to be termed a narcissist. So somebody may act in a narcissistic manner. They may be consumed with what they look like. You know, their appearance may be something that is such a big deal to them. So you'll see them constantly take selfies and people will say, no, you're such a narcissist. No, that's just that person's trait because Mm -hmm. that's the only thing that presents itself about that person. And so, you know, I think, you know, it is a term that is thrown around a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it actually takes away from the true meaning of, you know, what a person dealing with a narcissist or somebody with narcissism actually truly is. So do you happen to know what those five traits are from the DSM? Oh, absolutely. So things that you can actually look out for are having an exaggerated sense of of self-importance. They are very entitled. They require excessive amounts of um, admiration adoration, affection, admiration, attention, 
and they want to be recognized as superior without even doing a single thing to warrant that, you know, recognition. They exaggerate their achievements and their talents. They're preoccupied with thoughts of success, fantasy. I mean, narcissists live in fantasy lands. Mm-hmm. You know, they want everybody around them to be perfect. They want to be seen as perfect. They feel like only perfect people hang around me. They lack empathy completely. No empathy whatsoever. They're very oppressive. Everything is about them. They're highly self-centered. Wow. I'm struck. I just have to say what's on my mind. And <laughs> I, I was listening to all of this, and this is not a political podcast, but I have to say this sounds very much like our current president. Just, I, I don't even think that's a, a, a biased statement. It just really does sound like that to a T. It just rang true, like, oh my goodness, I've, I've seen that. I have, I am very pleased to say, in my experience, I haven't come across many people like that in real life, but I know people who have. So I'm really glad you're here today to talk us through what this is and what it looks like in a relationship. You're absolutely welcome. And I think it's a very important discussion to have because a lot of people are dealing with this and they are totally unaware of what is going on and they can't understand why am I still in this relationship? What is this hold that this person has on me? And, you know, people will ask, but, well, why would you still stay with him? Don't you see that he's treating you badly? And let me also say this. It's not just men who are narcissists. They are right. female narcissists. And, I mean, I could give you a thousand examples of these women. They show up and they wreak havoc, not just in the lives of their partners, but think of women. They become mothers, so they are raising children. You have what would be like a communal narcissist, the one who wants to do things for recognition only. So these people adopt children or they become foster parents and raise them in the most toxic of environments. Yet on the outside, they want to be praised for being, you know, this upstanding member of their community for taking in this child and loving the child. Because mind you, the child has to look perfect on the outside. So the hair is done. The shoes are right, the clothes mm-hmm. are right, the school, everything. But what's going on in the home is what the problem is. And, you know, you made a comment about number 45. All you have to do is go on Twitter and hashtag Narcissist in Chief. It'll tell you everything you want to know. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank you for adding that. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, Ramel. I just think I want to ask all the questions, but I'm going to give you a chance to ask okay. questions. But I, I have a good follow-up, so keep going. Go ahead, Ramel. Oh, oh okay. Are there levels to a narcissist? I mean, like, do you have narcissists who are just like, you know, they're annoying or are they all like really so toxic that they can cause harm? I think when you ask about are they levels and you mentioned annoying, I think those would be the people who exhibit narcissistic traits uh-huh. but are not actually narcissists because somebody who wants you to take selfies of them 24 or pictures of them because they always look good, can become annoying if that's your friends. Because everything becomes about the pictures for the gram and all of that thing. Right. But anybody who is a narcissist is dangerous to you. They're not Mm -hmm. just dangerous to you, but to everybody around you. It's like, is rat poison dangerous? Can you drink that? Mm -hmm. You know, the narcissist, what, what, there's a term that, that has been coined in psychology and they call it emotional rape 
And that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It is emotional rape. They target you from the moment that you meet. So whenever you meet a narcissist and they decide that they want you in their life, it's never an accident. It's never by chance. You are actually selected by the narcissist and groomed for this type of abuse. So if you think about a predator and how they would attack a child, how would they get to the process of molesting a child? It's the same type of grooming that the narcissist does to their targets. And they do what they do until they're done and discard the victim like it's nothing. Wow. All right, Tawanda, did you, yeah, I know you said I you did, had, I know. she's I was, flabbergasted over I here. Am. I'm looking I'm at her and she's just like, like what? Wow. Okay, because just so many different things come to mind. I feel like based on what you just said, that there's not anything like a mild narcissist. You're either narcissistic or you're not. Is that right? Absolutely. You're, you're playing dangerous. Now, when it comes to the narcissist, there are different classifications. You have your overt narcissist, the more malignant, who is more out there. They are more grandiose. And this, this is the one you cannot miss because they mm. just, you know, the moment you meet them, and if you know, then all the bells and whistles go off pretty soon because they're just so grandiose. Mm-hmm. Then there's the covert type. And the covert is, you know, I kind of, in my mind, how I made it make sense for myself is to think they're more closeted. It takes, you know, they're a little more sneaky and a little more sly and cunning that it's harder to detect. And that's why I said, like with my ex-husband, it was more difficult for me to identify him because he is more of that person. They don't necessarily have that grandiose ego mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily want the attention on them. They don't they present almost, it out in there exactly. every day. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the overt one is just get over the top. Well, let me ask you, because you mentioned before that narcissists actually groom the people that they are looking to abuse, essentially, right? What kind of people are they looking for? I mean, yeah. Who are they trying to groom? Like, who are they looking for? Narcissists are notoriously lazy. If you are going to be hard work, they don't want you. So somebody who is full of self-love is going to resist some of the things the narcissist will do or require. Mm-hmm. But if you are self-love deficient, which is another term for codependent, they tend to gravitate towards that person because there's that self-love deficiency. There's something within that person that it's off. Now, that's not to say that it's only codependence that will be, you know, the narcissist will try because they'll try anybody. But when they figure out that I'm not going to get what I want as easily as I thought, then they'll move on. They move on. Or if let's just say a, a healthy person gets involved with a narcissist, they walk away pretty fast because they don't want to walk on eggshells. They're not going to accept some of those behaviors that the narcissist will do within the relationship. So they just simply don't put up with it at all. So they want codependence, people with no boundaries or little to, uh, little to no boundaries. They want people with self-esteem issues, those who are coming, um, you know, with, with very tragic stories from their childhood and their past. You know, the narcissist will use those as a loophole to come in and begin to systematically devalue and then discard this person. This sounds so evil. It um, is pure evil. It feels... I don't think I recognized what I was getting into with this uh, episode because it makes me think I really didn't know what the folks who said, oh, I've, I've engaged with a narcissist before. I don't think I realized how bad 
that is and how it can really, it sounds like you can just trap people and pull them down. So once a narcissist, always a narcissist? Are there any research saying that a narcissist can be reformed? <laughs> she laughed. Yeah, oh my goodness. goodness. Here's, the, here's the thing. Narcissists believe they're perfect. So if they're perfect, why should I go to the doctor? Why don't you change what's wrong with you? And then maybe you can live in my world because, hello, I'm God's gift to earth. And, you know, one thing that narcissists, if you listen or just go on different YouTube communities and read the comments, one common, common theme is these people actually want to be gods in the lives of their families, in the lives of their children, in the lives of their targets. And so you hear people say that, oh, yeah, he wanted me to call him king. And you are the peasant in my in my kingdom. They say crazy things like that. There are some narcissists out there. There is a very popular one, Sam Bankin. He too has a YouTube channel. He has contributed a lot of material towards psychology and, you know, to help understanding this. But he himself has, there's one video he spoke about where he said that he spent in an entire decade in his home because he was fearful that if he stepped outside, he would revert back to his behaviors. Mm. And so it's a, no, it's a it's a drop in the sea of what what can be saved, and most most likely, I would I would just tell no everybody, listen, don't wait, don't think that you can love this person into wholesomeness, don't think that you can you know you can treat them well and help them heal from any of their whatever issues that they tell you that they have. It's a lie. They never will. Well, let me ask you this. So, if you are in a relationship, whether you're married or just in a in a relationship with somebody and you're having trouble, you're you're feeling bad about the relationship, but you're feeling like you can save it or whatever, what are some of the patterns that narcissists use to kind of maybe help people identify whether they are actually in a narcissistic relationship? Okay. So one thing would start from the very beginning. You meet this person and you feel like, wow, I have met God's gift to me. There's nobody better for me because the narcissist, they play a role. They mirror you in the beginning. They ask you all about yourself and they want to get to know you. And what they'll do is they start to mirror you. And what that means is that they begin to give you back to you. They begin to um, say, oh, you know what? I like the same thing. Oh, you like weightlifting? I like weightlifting too. Never been in the gym a day in their mm -hmm. life. You know, so they just feed you what you're feeding them so that it, it creates that tight connection. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people will feel like this feels too good to be true. Well, if anything feels too good to be true, then it's simply that, too good to be true. Mm -hmm. They move relationships fast. So it's no wonder if you hear this narcissist proposing to you in two months. Mm -hmm. That's a red flag right there. You know, and a lot of women and a lot of women that I, you know, end up interacting with will say they're all women of faith. And they will say, well, God can do a right now thing. And I'm not here to dispute that because he really can do a right now thing mm -hmm. and give you the man that you've been praying and fasting for your entire life. However, is that the right man? Is that a good man? When we hear stories about these men turning out to be great men, remember, those are the exception. They are not the rule. You find yourself walking on eggshells and you begin to doubt yourself. The narcissist gets bored easily and so they disappear. They go away for days and, you know, give you silent treatment. 
they just make you question and doubt everything you ever believe. Like you can have a argument with a narcissist about say, hey, the sky is blue and they tell you, no, it's pink. Mm. And that is a legitimate argument that they have. Wow. So now I've heard the term love bombing. Is that part of what they do too? Okay, I don't know what a love bomb is, so we could explain that first. Oh, okay, so love bombing is the very first stage, the very first phase of the narcissistic abuse cycle. There are three, there are three phases, okay. love bombing, devaluation, and then discard. So with the love bombing phase, that's when they meet you and they rush you with all these feelings of love. So it's constant phone calls, texts, all in your face, lots of sex, lots of gifts dates, anything to make you fall for them. Mm -hmm. The point or their purpose is to indoctrinate you into their little kingdom that they want you to fall in eventually too. And, you know, it's just the, the love bombing. It feels good because you're getting all this attention from this person who really seems like the right one for you. But remember, they are simply mirroring you. So at the end of the day, what you fall in love for is your own reflection. The narcissist is an empty shell. There is nothing in there. Narcissists are pathological liars. They're pathological cheaters. You know, when I say pathological, just put the word obsessive, compulsive. They are compulsive liars. They are compulsive cheaters. They are obsessively jealous and envious of you. So you may find that, you know, one instant I went out on a date with this, the other man that I was involved with. And, you know, I spent some time, you know, making sure I look nice for this date and everything. We get there and everybody was complimenting me. Don't you know, I had silent treatment the whole night mm -hmm. because he was in his little feelings because I took the spotlight off him. And how dare I think that I deserve all the compliments from everybody else. Wow. Silent treatment. And then he disappeared for like a week after that. Mm -hmm. And this is what they do. So how... What makes people want to stay in these relationships? I mean, like, why? I mean, like, that doesn't sound That's fun. Like, ask, yeah, I wanted to ask that question of you because I know you've been through it and you can um, at least speak for yourself or people that you've spoken to. But you even said, you know, people want to know why is it that you stay in that type of relationship? Um, or, or what are the complications with leaving uh, a relationship like that? Thank you so much. For this question. This is a very important question. And, you know, you go through the idealization phase or the love bombing phase with this person mm -hmm. and it's it's planned, mm -hmm. right? And the purpose of this phase is to indoctrinate you into their way of life. So I want you to think about like a cult leader. Think about a Jim Jones. What he went through to get people into his cult. It is the exact same thing. Think about 45 supporters. Stroke their egos and tell them everything they want to hear. And even with everything that's going on, they are still loyal to these people. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's, it's no different for victims of this type of abuse. So what happens once you are fully indoctrinated, the narcissist feels very free to be who they are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they take you through all these evaluations and in the mind of the victim, it's like, why can't we go back to how things were? Mm -hmm. This is where now you can see your self-love, your self-awareness is important. Because if you are strong in those areas, you are going to walk away. If you are a codependent or just, you know, somebody who is who's lost, 
you're going to want to go back to the beginning because it is just that good. Literally, this person works to be your soulmate. And so what happens because it's an intimate um, cycle of, of the love bombing and the devaluation that forms what is known as a trauma bond. Now, that trauma bond is what keeps the people in there. The trauma bond is no different than having Stockholm syndrome. It is one and the same mm-hmm. thing. And it's just created by that, that, that the reinforcement between positive and negative treatment of you. That's it. That's what makes it hard. Trauma bonds are so resistant to breaking or to change. A lot of, you know, like when, when you, if you speak to like, or, you know, medical professionals, those in the field of psychology will tell you that it is the very same, like breaking that trauma bond is no different than trying to break an addiction to heroin. It is one and the same thing. So that's why they, sorry? No, go ahead and finish your statement. So that's why they can call it emotional rape or psychological rape. It, it affects your highest level of thinking. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm taking a, a breath because it, it's, a lot. It's, a, it's a lot. And I mean, the trauma bond is a, as addictive as heroin. I mean, but it's not, but this trauma bond is not a good feeling, but they're still addicted to it's it. A bond. Right. Is that correct? People are. That's correct. The trauma bond is Stockholm syndrome. That's all it wow. is. And, you know, it's it's identifying or still seeing your abuser as the person that you need to be with. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I want to know, then, as a success story yourself, and I assume that you talked to others and maybe even led others to leaving a narcissistic uh, relationship, what does that process looks like look like? Because I followed you. I understand the love bond. I understand the trauma bond. And now it just sounds really, really hard to get out. Like what yeah, how do you so I wanna know how a person gets out. I wanna know if I have a friend who's if I, you know, come across someone who's in that situation. I have kids who are getting in relationships right now. So okay, they're, they're young adults. And so I want to make sure if I run across this, what does it look like to help somebody get out? What does it look like for the person to get themselves out of a bad relationship like this? It is very difficult, you know, for them, for you to actually realize that this isn't going anywhere and I have to leave. It takes several times sometimes. I couldn't honestly tell you how many times I went back and forth with my ex-husband. Like, I can't count. You know, this person is toxic to the core, but you keep going back. But finally, I did. Um, another thing is um, when it came to, you know, the other person that I dated, I was just able to leave because I was in a much healthier mindset. So that one, you know, I was able to leave, but the effects still live on. So what happens is one of the first things that you have to do as a person leaving this situation is to understand that, well, number one, no contact. That means you block this person and you stop following them on social media. You do not delete every picture, get rid of everything that reminds you of them. Because these people, they all act the same. Every narcissist acts the same. They're going to discard you or you discard them and they're still going to try and come back. They will always. So you just have to, and you know, a lot of victims will wonder like, well, you said they're going to come back. And still miss them and anticipate them coming back and look forward to it. But 
going no contact is the most important thing. That is what is going to break that trauma bond. And it also means that your friends, sometimes we have to put our friends on on the sideline because they may be mutual friends. And so we can no longer be friends with them because the narcissist will use these people as what we term as flying monkeys to go and gather information about you or share information about the narcissist with you because listen, the narcissist is going to move on like this. They will be They'll be married in 60 days after your relationship is over. And this could be a totally new person. It does not have to be someone who was in the wings, but they can be in a, in a marriage in 60 days and want you to know that. That's why that no contact is so important. Everything about them is going to be a show. They're going to be all over social media with new people and new friends and living the high life. But you want to cut all that contact out. If you are supporting somebody through this process, I think being as informed as you can be about what this abuse actually is, the person is going to want to talk about this and it's going to be annoying because they're going to talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And you want to say like, listen, can we move on? But they need to get it out. And so it's just being patient and, you know, maybe giving them resources and tools, sending them to different support groups or communities where people who are like them, who are, you know, who are aware, who are even, you know, in different stages of healing can support them through that process. It's, you know, it's one thing to share about this with somebody who has not experienced this. I remember one of my good friends telling me, why can't you just get over him? Mm. And I'm thinking in my, in my mind, like, you just don't understand. Like, I just lost the love of my life. Like, what are you talking about? Like, but it's just that deep because they infiltrate the most, the, the depths of your soul. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, you know, the work of the narcissist is to cancel your soul. And I know that may sound extreme, but if you dive deeper into this thing, that is all this is. And so if they want to erode your entire personality so that they can be who they want to be, because they live vicariously through their victims. The narcissists always call them an empty shell, but they're really like chameleons. Because like like I mentioned earlier, they have, they're pathological cheaters. Mm -hmm. So with each victim, with each person, let's say they're seeing four people, they are somebody else to all those people. So when you start finding this information out and you see like, wow, I thought I had somebody who was intellectual, well-read and everything, only to find out, talking to her that she's that he's some hip hop, I don't know, junkie or whatever. And that's nothing against hip hop, but I mean like it's so he's acting like a teeny bopper type mm -hmm. of thing. And to somebody else, he's a dope dealer. I mean like they're just totally different people for different targets. And each person serves a different function for them. One of the things that I know that um my person that got out of this uh relationship, I think one of the toughest things for her to kind of actually have to come to terms with is that although her feelings for this person were very, very real, she had to come to terms with that he did not have any feelings for her whatsoever as a narcissist, that he just, he's moved on. And I think that was one of the things, I think it's, it's very hurtful. That's trauma. That's re-trauma. Yeah. That seems like a, causing an additional trauma when she finally leaves. Um, gets out of that bad relationship and sees he's in a relationship immediately. And just like Joy said, he could be married in 60 days. Yeah, because he's, for him, it's just another target. It's just moving on. And they move fast. Yeah. 
you know, and that's one of the most devastating things because they don't love you. They never did. And I, you know, initially I struggled with that a lot. And this was with the second person because I had awareness. So I struggled with that. But once I was able to wrap my mind around that, and I, what I told myself was that, listen, your feelings were real. You gave from the best part of yourself. Mm-hmm. What you experienced was real. You just happened to give it to an illusion. There was nobody home. There was that empty shell. And, you know, and I had to accept it. And it, it's hard. But once you accept that truth, then you can move on, you know, and begin to go through the process of healing. It's like when you keep trying to hold on to who they were, who they presented themselves to be, you kind of hold yourself hostage and can't move forward. There's so many things about this narcissist that there is to say, but I feel like it is so important that people know about this because you can really think that you are with somebody and doing something and building something, but it's all an act. It is all an act. Narcissists do not love. And I hope you hear me loud and clear. Narcissists do not love. They do not love their children. They do not love their parents. They definitely did not love you. And they surely do not love themselves. You cannot pour from an empty vessel. In order for somebody to pour love, they have to first have love for themselves. And that is something that they do not. I have to ask my question. This is more so of a statement, not really a question. It feels like there should be a website called Don't Date em Girl. Now, I think there is a website called Don't Date em Girl, but specifically for like a section for a narcissist, because it feels like we should warn each other. And I know I said don't date him, but, and that it can go either way, but don't date that person, insert pronoun here, whatever. It feels like there should be warning. Like an FBI warning, right? The, the FBI list. Of- yeah, most. Most wanted, most yeah, unwanted. They, <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, right. it should be something there. Okay. So that was my statement. I'm thinking about how possible it is to be successful as a friend on the outside, seeing that your friend is in a narcissistic relationship and, and as an outside person trying to do an intervention like you would with an addiction. Say, hey, we love you. We see what's going on. We see what's going on there. And we want you to get help. You know, we want you to get out of this for your own safety. Like, is that something that's recommended or is that it has to be the person themselves to move and intervention isn't likely to work? It is not likely to work at all. What? That's not what I wanted you to say. I have to tell you the truth. It's not likely to work. I I would still say, you know what, you could possibly talk to your friends still to share your thoughts. But here's the thing, narcissists isolate their mm-hmm. victims. Part of their grooming is to tell the, tell their victims that that friend of yours, Wanda, mm-hmm. that she's jealous of you. Have you seen how she, mm-hmm. she wants, she, she's jealous of you. you. Have you ever seen how Wanda talks about you? Well, you know, that thing that she does, they're already starting to sow seeds of doubt so that if you go and tell them that, hey, there's something wrong with this guy, she's going to tell you, mm, he told me about you. Yeah. I know. Um, and I mean, okay, so I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joy. Sorry. And he will tell her in the most, while well, she's in the most vulnerable of positions, in the most vulnerable states. So it has a lasting impression. I know um, for the person I'm speaking of, I, I saw changes in her. I did not, the person she was in a relationship with, she kind of kept an arm's length. You know what I mean? It was like, you knew about, about her person. 
but she did not present him that much, right? But I was able to see the difference in her. And I actually said, I'm not sure about this person because you're changing a lot. You're, you know, who I know, who I've known for a very long time. You're changing and what's going on. And it took years for her to come to terms with that. Not, it wasn't that I brought her something that made her change her mind, but it wasn't until after she decided to get out of this relationship that she understood why I was saying that. And there were like a myriad of reasons, but it brings me to my next question is you leave. So now what, how do you recover from this devastation really that being in a narcissistic relationship puts you in? I I imagine it's absolutely horrible. So you do stop. You don't, contact so we, we heard that right. part you don't contact the person you st- just like if you were an alcoholic and you don't want to go to places where you're going to run into them or um, have alcohol in the car you know in the in the house okay so outside of that what other things does someone who's recovering from a relationship with a narcissist what do they have to do okay one of the very first things that i would say is to surround yourself with people who love you family members, friends, those who want the very best of you, who can allow you to pour out your heart, but they will pour it back into you. It's very important now that we bring the focus off this person and back to you. Now, walking away from a narcissist, whether they discard you or you do it, is not like it's a one-time thing or it's, you know, we've said it's not Mm -hmm. easy. But the narcissist will run, will, will do what we call hoover. They're going to give you some time and you can't determine only they know how much time they're going to give you before they decide to circle back and find out how you're doing. And if they can't get to you themselves, they'll send people to you. Those will be the flying monkeys. Mm -hmm. So you can always anticipate a hover. And it doesn't matter for some people. One lady, it took her 40 years before he hovered her. Forty? Like four decades. Wow. That's amazing. And he presented himself, you know, he obviously had learned some more tricks during that time and then decided that he would be a different person. And then it was at that point where she decided to give in to him. And within the space from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it was completely over and she is on the ground devastated. Wow. Don't go back. They never change. So resist the hoover at every cost. Resist it. The narcissist, when you start to resist the hoover, they will do what we call a smear campaign. They will talk to any and everybody about you. They will drag your name through the mud. I mean, I had to change my phone number. Mind you, this is associated to a business. Mm-hmm. I had to change my phone number, email address, everything. They will do any and everything. Ignore them. Ignore them. If you engage in it, you are going to be rolling in the mud with that pain. Don't do it. Mm. It hurts. It's painful. It's devastating. But resist that. I would highly encourage anybody going through this, even if it's your friend going through it. I even suggest that you go to therapy. Mm. Talk to a therapist who is aware of this. Don't just speak to anyone. Because, you know, one thing that I've learned from my own experience, as well as being part of these communities, is that after, you know, you may talk to some therapist and they may not have information on what narcissistic abuse is. And so they will glance over what your issue is. Mm-hmm. 
And that actually sets the person back further. And I think that's why some of us, you know, coaches within the YouTube community have been able to be successful because a majority of our clients come back from a therapist. So I'm not saying bypass a therapist. No, please go to therapy, but interview your therapist. Speak to several before you actually commit to one. Go through therapy because they have tools that we don't have. Go to a therapist, see one, and then, you know, do things that you love. Remember who you were before this person ever came into your life and begin to tap back into the things that you like. Rediscover yourself, challenge yourself, find new passions. That's like I said earlier, that's where this thing came for me, you know, just Put the focus back on you because the whole time you're with this person, the focus and the spotlight is always on them. And so you forget yourself or you abandon yourself, you know, on the table or on behalf of this person. Put the light back on you and just tap into your highest self. And, you know, one day at a time, this is not a sprint, this is a marathon. And, you know, there are days when it's easy to go on. Then there are days when that's all you can think of. And that's normal. There are days when you couldn't care less about them and you're disgusted by them. And then there are days that you miss them so much. That is all part of the cycle. It's not to say that you're doing badly. No, this is part of the detox process. Continue to go. Allow yourself to feel the emotions. But remember that you have to go through them. So you can't jump into another relationship because 9 out of 10, you end up with somebody toxic. You can't stop this pain away. You can't sex this pain away. You can't drink this pain away. You can't shoot this pain up away. You've got to go through it. You've got to pay attention to those things because there's no way possible that you can be with somebody who is so vile and spits so much venom that you don't ingest some of it. And so if you continue to remain in that mind frame or don't seek the help, then you are going to start you're going to start exhibiting traits and you are going to be infectious to other people. No, I'm not saying that you're a narcissist, but you're a conflict. So focus in and do the work that you have to, to heal. You don't have to identify as a victim. You were targeted. They chose you to inflict this insidious abuse on. Your biggest clapback should be to heal. Because once you heal, that joker will always look disgusting to you, always. And you will be able to identify these people from a mile away. Wow. Well, Joy, thank you so wow. much. Now, amen. <laughs> I was like, I, I didn't want to interrupt. No, so I I'll know. keep my amens and well, all <sighs> to myself as you were speaking, because that was powerful. That's that, I'm just so glad we decided to cover this topic. Yeah. Now, I know that you have a YouTube channel. I know that was very instrumental to my person um, helping her get through this stage. Um, you know, she's still going through it. I mean, she's still going through it, but she fell, found your YouTube channel and uh, she found it very instrumental, instrumental tool in her recovery, beginning to her recovery. So can you go through um, where people can find you one more time and um, anything else you might want our listeners to know? Sure. Thank you. You can find me on all social media, including YouTube as Pink Girl Teaches. And the podcast is Project Real Love. It's on dating and relationships. Okay, perfect. Well, 
I am absolutely moved. I'm very, very thankful that you came to see us today. I appreciate all of your insight mm -hmm. and you being willing to share your personal situation to help us understand this so much better. So I really do appreciate mm -hmm. you for that. And we hope that we maybe help somebody today understand that they're not alone and that this is not, that they're not crazy, that this is a thing. Right. This is a yes. thing and they can get help. They can get out. If you feel like you are in danger, please seek help. Okay. And so we want to thank you listeners for coming and listening to us today. So until next time, peace and blessings. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Girl Podcast. That's girl with three R's. And if you want to participate in our segment, Ask Your Girlfriends, email us at girlpodcast at gmail.com. That's girl with three R's. <laughs> so until next time, peace, peace and, and blessings. blessings.